folks. My name is Christine Chapel, and you're listening to the Hope and Help podcast from the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, where we host biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. In this episode, I chat with Tom Sugimura about his book, Hope for New Dads, 40 Days in the Book of Proverbs. For more help on today's topic, visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help where you can access notes from today's episode and browse-related resources from our digital library. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Tom Sugimura is a pastor, church planting coach, and ACBC fellow. He ministers the gospel at New Life Church in Woodland Hills and is the author of several books, including Soul Care in the Psalms and Habakkuk, God's answers to life's most difficult questions. Tom and his wife, Amanda, are raising their four rambunctious children in Southern California. Hey there, Tom. Thank you so much for joining me for the Hope and Help podcast today. Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me. It's uh, been a joy to, uh, to hear from you and see how you've ministered through IBCD and the Hope and Help podcast. Yes, it has been so much fun to get to know you. I'm so thankful for how you have contributed even to the IBCD blog. Uh, Last year, you wrote there as well as speaking at our conference. Now you're here on the Hope and Help podcast to discuss your excellent resource for dads called Hope for New Dads, 40 Days in the Book of Proverbs. And as I was just saying before we got started, this book is not just for new dads. It is for all parents because the wisdom you share in it, I mean, really ministered to me personally as a mother um, in a lot of really good and convicting ways. And so hopefully the audience will be encouraged by God's word and what you have to share in this conversation. But before we get started, I'd love for you to spend a few minutes to share why you wanted to write a resource on this topic. Thanks for asking. I I love being a dad. I really enjoyed it, especially the younger years. I mean, zero to 12 was uh, some of the best. And I really enjoyed the book of Proverbs. And so as I was reading Proverbs, as I was raising my kids, as I was getting into biblical counseling at the same time, all of it converged together. And, and I wanted to write something for dads because there's not a whole lot out there. There's a lot of general parenting books that are out there and probably more women read than men and and they're probably reading the parenting books more than men. And so I wanted something that was directly for dads. And so speaking directly to dads, writing directly to dads and encouraging them from the book of Proverbs, which actually is a, a father writing to his son. So there's a lot of intergenerational wisdom there. Yeah, this book is so rich. I, I have underlined it almost every page. And so really thankful to have you help us to dive in a bit more to the book of Proverbs and then apply that wisdom specifically to the context of fatherhood. As I was thinking about questions to ask, I thought if you might help us think a little bit about how secular attitudes approach fatherhood and contrast that with the wisdom that is offered in the scriptures for this particular parenting role. As a pastor, I, I talk to a lot of dads, council men in particular, and and so there's all different kinds of challenges that fathers face. I think um, in our society right now, you see a lot of absentee dads, dads that are just not present either physically or emotionally, or they're distracted when they're at home. They're just looking at something else or thinking about something else. And so I, I think you have that kind of challenge in society. And some other challenges I've seen are just, there are dads who are just very demanding 
of their children. There's an overemphasis on authority, kind of a boot camp mentality. They're leading, but they're leading in, in more of a harsh way. And so I've, I've seen that. Other dads go the other direction. And there's imbalance in a lot of affirmation, a lot of love, but it's all fun and games. And there's not that kind of intentional leading in the home. There's more of a passive, we'll let mom do the work. And, and so the secular approach to that, I think, is let's make dads better. Let's pursue good parenting, but it's more on a moralistic level. It's let's be good without God. And so it is the idea of there's good principles, there's good things that you can do, but it's not the kind of parenting or fatherhood that leads them in the Lord. And so I think as Christian dads, our goal is not just to be good dads and to have authority and to have affirmation, but to uh, be able to have the end goal of raising our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord so that uh, he's the ultimate goal. In your answer at the beginning, you alluded to the reality that not everyone who is a father had a godly father figure in their life. And so I wonder if you might speak to that for a moment. I'm thinking of the man who might be listening who did not have this example set for them. And so they may feel as though they have no idea where to start. Like, how is it even possible that I might be able to be a godly father when I don't even know what that looks like? So in what ways does the gospel offer hope and help for that listener? Well, that's exactly who the, the gospel is offering hope to. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote my book is is to speak to those dads who might not have a godly role model, who might not have had a dad that was really leading them in the Lord. And it's becoming more more of a, a problem these days. And so, you know, I, I think about it like sports. I used to play a lot of sports and I had a dad who taught me how to throw a football, how to play catch, how to swing a, a baseball bat. And so I learned those things going up from my father, but a lot of my friends didn't have that. And so they learn from us as peers, they learn from coaches, you know, there's YouTube videos or manuals and, and, and ways that you can learn skills. And I think in a similar way, that's how parenting is. There's other ways to learn God's wisdom and you can learn it from his instruction manual for parenting. Uh, you can learn it from other Christian fathers that you're walking alongside with or, or godly mentors. God designed fathers to teach their sons, but he also has provided uh, the church and the community of believers to supplement that if there's a, a father who's not there. And so, you know, I think biblical wisdom for parenting is, is just like any other skill. You learn it as you go. You make mistakes as you go. You find out by experience what, what works and what doesn't. You, and you keep going back to God's word and trying to do it better the next time. And so I wanted to take Proverbs because that's God's wisdom in little bite-sized chunks for dads. And so like in sports, you've got to learn the fundamentals. You've got to learn the basics. Once you know the, the, the fundamentals, you can build on that and you can grow from that. And, and that's what I think dads should be looking toward in, in finding God's wisdom. Yeah. And I appreciate how you talk about discernment and how discernment helps us to know which way is the way that helps us to walk in the fear of the Lord, which is a theme that you continue to bring up all throughout this devotional because it's a big theme in the book of Proverbs. And so you actually begin the devotional with Proverbs 9.10, which reads, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Can you briefly define fear of the Lord and its relevance to fathers? 
Yeah, the fear of the Lord is all throughout the book of Proverbs. It starts the book, it ends the book, it's in the middle at the most important points. And I actually preached through Proverbs with my church, about 30-something sermons, and we kept a consistent definition of the fear of the Lord throughout because it, it kept on surfacing during the study that we are having. And so the fear of the Lord, I define it as reverent obedience and worshipful joy. And there's a sense where fear brings reverence, respect, and because of that fear, because of what we know God could do to us if we don't obey, it, it, it compels us to obey Him. It compels us to do what He asks us to do. Um, but that's not all that Proverbs talks about. Every other religion out there, they have a sense of fearing their God, of respecting their God and doing what their God wants them to do, or else their God will do something to them. But those religions don't have the other aspect of joy and delight and worshipful desire that the Proverbs um, express. And so I want, when I think about the fear of the Lord, to think about this compels me to obey but also gives me great joy. And so one of the illustrations that I, I put in the book is the idea of being a child of a king. If the king is your father, you still have to obey him. His rule is law. He could do things to you even if you're his son. And so you obey. And yet also, as the child of the king, you can run into his presence. You can play in the throne room. You can embrace your father and you can come to him at any time. And that's who God is for us. He is both respected and feared in terms of compelling us to obedience, but he is also a loving father that invites us to confidently enter the throne room of grace. And and, and so I, I love that dual aspect when it comes to the fear of the Lord. I, as I said, I underlined so many helpful parts of this book, but there was one practical reflection that you offered, which was on the topic of wisdom and instruction for living. That's one particular day of the devotional. And you write that quote, Wisdom to handle life with God-honoring skill asks the question, do my decisions draw me closer to the Lord or drive me further away? Wow, what a question. Can you elaborate on the point you're making here and the importance of helping our children even to look at their decisions through such a God-centered lens? Yeah, with God's wisdom, you're right. I, I try to apply it to both us as parents as well as our children. And so we as parents need God's wisdom to draw closer to Him. Our children need to learn that from us. And I wanted to convey that wisdom is both relational and intellectual. You, you need knowledge, you need understanding of what God teaches in His Word, but the wisdom in God's Word is actually designed to drive us to Him. I just preached James 1.5 this past Sunday at our church. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And, and the sense is that the wisdom is the gift, but the wisdom drives us to know the giver and, and the one who gives us wisdom. And so I, I wanted people to see that wisdom is not the end goal. It's part of the goal, but it leads us to a relationship with the God who gives generously to all without reproach. And that's what Proverbs shows us. It's it's not just about knowing what to do in every situation, but it's also learning about the God who gives us that gift of wisdom in every situation. You talk a lot in this book about how our children are, are born foolish, as we all are. So first of all, we need to understand who we're dealing with here as parents is, is we're dealing with sinners who need instruction. They need to be taught 
And so what has that looked like for you? Maybe just to give a practical example of how you have in your own parenting journey continued to encourage your children to make choices that draw them nearer to the Lord instead of further away. I ask a lot of questions in the book and and of my children. And one of the things that I've learned works really well is when my children have a question or when they're facing a difficult situation in life, to be able to walk with them through that, but not tell them what to do, to ask them questions. What do you think God would want you to do in this situation? What do you know from scripture, what you've learned in the past about wisdom for handling this particular uh, relationship? And and so I'm asking questions to kind of draw out what I know is in them, but they just need to think about it for themselves. And so on on a practical level, I want them to believe this. I want them to know it. I want them to practice it uh, instead of just me as, as their dad telling them what to do. Because uh, one day they're not going to be around dad and they're not going to have mm-hmm. me to tell them what to do. They, they need to be able to figure it out for themselves. Sometimes the book of Proverbs is viewed if, by some as like a book of promises. You know, it's if you follow these directions, then you are guaranteed these outcomes. And is that the way that the book of Proverbs is meant to be approached? No, the, the Proverbs are not promises. They're not magic formulas. They are truisms, which means they're generally true. They're usually true. It's usually good for children to listen to mom and dad. A gentle answer usually does turn away wrath, but not always. And, and so they're, they're not promises because, you know, as pastors, as counselors, we, we talk to a lot of parents and we pray with a lot of parents who have had their children walk away from the Lord, even if they've been raised in a Christian home and and they've been raised with biblical principles and the other brothers and sisters have turned out well walking with the Lord, um, same parents, but, but different outcomes. And so I want dads to know or parents to know that it's not about putting faith in themselves, about being the perfect parent and doing everything right. It's not about raising perfect children. But being able to trust the Lord who has a sovereign plan for each of us and each of our children. And so the the Proverbs are not promises. I think they're based in the law of Moses. And and so whoever was writing the Proverbs, the wisdom of the Proverbs allows us to draw upon the law, which was designed not to make us good people, but to remind us that we need a savior. We need a Messiah. And so that's the goal of Proverbs as well, is to point us to the perfect father who sent his perfect son to be our savior. So Tom, as fathers disciple their children in the Lord, what do you mean when you write that quote, Proverbs are not helpful if we read, but do not heed? Yeah. Uh, Again, this applies to both parents and kids. The Proverbs give us wisdom, uh, specifically God's wisdom. And so they, they give us what we need to know, what we need to hear. But just like James says, you got to be doers of the word. You have to be those who are obeying God's word. And so I relate it to like, if you're playing catch, a uh, father and son playing catch, you got to throw the baseball back and forth. You've got to, you got to have one throw, you got to have the other receive. And, and the same is true. I think in parenting, you can instruct all the time, instruct all the time, but your child eventually has to obey. They have to live it out. They have to uh, take it further than just you showing them or telling them what the right thing to do is. And so the Proverbs were meant to be heard, but they were also meant to be heeded or obeyed. And I think that's the the second part of it. Do you guys have a saying in your house about what obedience, the word obedience means? There was a story in this book where your son 
had some delay in following the instructions and then he rehearsed some kind of saying that clicked in after a few minutes and then he got up and did what he needed to do. Can you talk about that? It happened a while ago. I think he was he was jumping on the bed and I asked him, well, it's time to brush your teeth. And, and he said no. And that was surprising that he would even say no to his dad. But it, it was almost like it struck him while he was jumping in midair that obedience means now. Obedience means without delay and without complaint. And and so all of the teaching that we had done over the years of just explaining what obedience is and uh, instructing how to do it and even disciplining sometimes when it wasn't followed, all of that kind of came to fruition without us even having to go back and say, no, you need to obey. And that's some of the fruit of parenting consistently is being able to see those moments when the light bulb goes on and our children get it, if you will, and they obey of their own volition. It's something that comes from their heart and not just from the pressure of their parents. And that's a delight to us. I think a delight to the Lord as well. Yeah, I love that phrase. Obedience means now. Uh, I had never heard it put that way, but I think I might use that. I appreciate that early in the book, you also introduced the topic of heart desires. And you quote from Proverbs 4.23, which reads, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. How does this verse speak specifically to the context of fatherhood? This has guided me so well over the years. I think a lot of my influence as a father came from Ted Tripp's book, um, Shepherding a Child's Heart, and the idea that the child's heart is the wellspring or the spring of the source of everything they do, their behavior, their words, their attitude even. And so I was just getting into biblical counseling around the time we had our, our firstborn son, and I practiced on him. I, I learned how to be a counselor from being a parent and being a parent from being a counselor. And it was amazing how well it worked. And, and how well the biblical principles just applied to parenting. One of the neat things about kids is that they wear their heart on their sleeve. Like if they're angry, you know they're angry. If they're anxious, you know they're anxious. They, they just wear their heart on their sleeve. And so you can discern fairly quickly what's going on inside. And they don't learn how to mask that or cover that up until later. But as they're young children, you can see their behavior and you can see their heart all at once and you can minister to them holistically. And, and so I, I learned that um, as a father growing up. And so in the book, I, I trace that idea of the heart being the source through the, the various topics and themes that we face in parenting, whether it be anger, whether it be despair, whether it be anxiety or deception. Um, and seeing how those surface behaviors are rooted in the heart. And that was my goal. And what about even just for dads themselves, reflecting on that verse for their own attitudes and interactions with their children? A lot of dads think they're spiritually mature. I know I did um, before we have children, uh, before we have uh, these, these little rugrats or reprobates in our home that disturb our peace and quiet. And, and I think that you know, part of parenting is God's way of sanctifying parents. You know, we're given for the instruction of our children, but um, God gives us children for the instruction of ourselves. I've learned so much about myself as I've been sometimes failing as a dad and, and sometimes doing things that my heart comes to the surface because 
of things that I don't like my children are doing or things that I don't like about the direction of our family. And, and it's a constant battle. It's a constant struggle, but you know, it's a, a, that's the slow process of sanctification. It was such a challenge to whittle down my questions to so few for this conversation, uh, because every day of this devotional is so rich, but I wanted to be sure to touch on the topic of love, because I think that's one aspect of Christian fatherhood that's overlooked simply because it's presumed. You know, of course I love my kids, right? Uh, for this day, you teach from Proverbs fifteen seventeen, which reads, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. And then later in the devotional, you write, quote, It seems absurd that any father must be told to love his children. Yet how often do you choose your convenience over theirs? How often do you instruct behavior without caring for their souls? How often do you speak unkind words without asking their forgiveness? What challenging words to read, even just me as a mom, right? It's, these are challenging words for any parent. And so can you expand on what this proverb is teaching specifically as it relates to fatherhood? Yeah, I think as parents, um, especially fathers, we are tempted to think that it's all about providing for our families, making enough money, putting food on the table. Uh, buying them all kinds of gifts and, and things that they want. And, and what this proverb is saying is that there's so much more to enjoying your family. There is so much more value in loving your family, investing in time with them, being with your kids, cultivating their heart than just the things and the possessions and the money can bring them. Uh, one of the things that I see, I minister sometimes in an Asian American context. And I've spoken with so many people about, you know, my dad never said the words, I love you. My, my dad never said, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And, and so, I mean, there's a power dynamic between parent and child, but even more so in, in an Asian context, there's, there's an honor shame dynamic. And so you have children who have never heard these things from their father. They've never been shown these things from their fathers. And so I, I think that my encouragement to dads was don't let it go unsaid. Don't think that parenting is all about the, the things of life, but see it as a deeper purpose, a, a deeper meaning of loving your children well. And in this particular section of the book, you offer readers four ways that they can love their children with their time. So I wonder if you could briefly explain what those four ways are, just so we can give a little bit of practical application for our listeners. The four words that I have are read, pray, work, and play. And this takes time. It takes quality time. It takes quantity time. Uh, one of the things that I did as a dad early on was I just, one night a week, I spent time one-on-one -on -one with each of my children um, we called it the special time with daddy and we just did whatever they wanted. And so sometimes that was reading the Bible together, reading God's word and talking about it. Sometimes it was doing a, a task, maybe a school project, maybe something around the house, just having them with me. I would pray with them, uh, pray for them, uh, show them what it was like to have a, a relationship with the heavenly father. But a lot of this time was just, we would play together and we would do something they enjoyed. We'd watch a show they liked have pillow fights or whatever it might be. And being able to show my children, yeah, daddy's not too busy for you. 
daddy has time for you. And honestly, as a busy dad and pastor, um, I would have to schedule those times in and, and actually put it on the calendar and say, I'm going to make this special time set aside for each child. If I didn't do that, I, I knew it would get overrun. Well, thank you just for helping us think through, you know, what that looks like in in real life practice. Well, we've got time for a couple more questions. And so, you know, Tom, we are the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, and we love to equip the local church in one another care. So I want to ask you if you could help us think about some ways that the local church can improve upon their support and discipleship of Christian fathers. Yeah, I, I think that some dads just don't know where to start. So it's good to hear it from the pulpit, to hear it from mentors, to be intentionally challenged for men to say, I need, I need to grow as a husband. I need to grow as a father. So I, I think that's important. I also think that practical mentoring, uh, men's groups are, are vital. I think that sometimes men don't get together often enough. One of the things we started at our church over the summers is we would gather for what we called man camp. And um, we would just get a bunch of guys in my front yard and we barbecue together, bring over food to share. And then we just have one of the dads share a testimony or a short devotional. And afterwards, the kids would play or the guys would hang out. And it was intergenerational. So fathers, sons, even grandfathers, all together, kind of hanging out, rubbing shoulders, uh, seeing how different men interact with God and with each other. And it was an informal time for us to say, this is natural. This is something where we can challenge one another just by being together and by uh, worshiping and fellowshipping together. And, and so I think that whatever way that a church does that, there should be some intentional instruction from the, the leaders of the church and from other godly mentors in the church, but there should also be informal gatherings and, and ways for this kind of mentorship to happen organically. Awesome. Well, thank you for offering those practical suggestions. We are at the end of our time together. And so I am going to invite you to do something that I ask every guest of the Hope and Help podcast to do, which is to speak directly to the audience. There may be someone listening today who is a Christian dad, and he's feeling unsure about his ability to be a godly father. What would you say to this listener to encourage him with the hope and help of the gospel? That's great. I love that question. Um, the hope is this, that you have a good father who is going to love you no matter what you do, no matter what kind of parent you are. And he's not expecting you to be a perfect father. He's expecting you to follow him and, and to do what he asked you to do, but he is going to love you no matter what. And he's given you an instruction manual for parenting. And that's where the help comes from. You know, the help comes from knowing that God's wisdom is available. God's wisdom is for you, whether from his word or from other godly mentors. And one of the ways that I try to do that in this book is, is just by saying, read the Proverbs, study the Proverbs, take one chapter of Proverbs a day and study it, read it, identify one of those verses that you want to apply to your everyday life. And if you take that step of applying Proverbs to your everyday life, you're going to find yourself growing in wisdom as a parent. And so I think there's help there. I think there's hope there. And I'm encouraged by all of the dads that, that I talk to that say, we really enjoy what we're doing. We really enjoy being fathers. 
Thank you so much, Tom, for those words of encouragement. I want to let the listener know that this book is very meaty. I mean, at the end of each day, you offer scripted prayers to help lead the reader into prayer. And on a lot of the days, you offer really focused reflection questions to pull out there and draw out their own hearts as they are navigating fatherhood. I highly recommend this book. If you are interested in learning more about Tom's book, it's called Hope for New Dads. 40 days in the book of Proverbs. You can scroll down to the show notes, click the link there, and that will take you to a page on IBCD's website where you can access that link. And then also, Tom, if there's somebody listening who wants to get connected with you and your your sermons, your writing ministry, where can they go to find you online? Sure. Thanks for asking, Christine. I just started um, a Substack blog, tomsugi.com, and I'm starting to write about parenting teenagers. So I've got two of my four that are teens now. And so I'm writing to try to figure out how do I do this as a, a parent of teenagers. So I have a Substack, Tomsugi. Tomsugi.com is where some of my other writings are. And then if you're in the Los Angeles area, we have um, a church, New Life Church at Woodland Hills. And so you can definitely uh, join us there. Awesome. Well, Tom, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us about this important topic today. I have been so blessed by this book, even though it wasn't written for people like me. Um, And so I'm so thankful for your hard work and putting it together as a helpful biblical counseling resource. And I pray that the listeners were blessed by this conversation because I know I was. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Christine. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed this conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way you'll be notified when new episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help podcast a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. Thanks so much for joining us for today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help podcast.